And uh, my mom's dad, my grandfather was a uh, theatrical talent agent, Broadway producer. He managed oh, Rydell at one point. He, he ran Verve Records at one point. It was fun when he would come in because as a little kid, you know, I, for whatever reason, I somehow got into Tom Jones. So okay. uh, he, Tom Jones was playing a nightclub here in the, in, in the area. And my grandfather took us to the show and took me backstage. I think it was 10. And I met Tom Jones. He wasn't much taller than me, frankly, but he was great. It was a great show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me tonight is a return guest. He had so much fun as a duo, he decided to do a solo act. Uh, he's kind of Paul Simon without Art Garfunkel, maybe, I, you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, Scott Katz, welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. Glad to be back. Glad to see you back. Yeah, thank you. Now, I I do not think the episode where I had this revelation has come out, but um, I had a guy on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and he started talking about summer camp and finding Bruce Springsteen. And I said, you know, I just realized that's a common theme on this podcast. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because um, Colin, who is on the podcast, uh, The App Shoot, as we're recording, I released it yesterday. He was from Great Britain, but found Bruce in a, you know, east coast he had gone to america as in a camp like as an internship or something and that's how he discovered bruce so um if i remember correct right isn't this how you guys discovered bruce yeah you're spot on um i as a little kid um you know in my neighborhood there were a bunch of guys and um i was kind of the second youngest so you kind of looked up with these older guys and they all loved Bruce and this would have been, you know, mid seventies dating myself. Right. And um, then I went to overnight camp up in Maine in 77 when I was uh, nine. And, you know, looking back now, I didn't realize that was, you know, maybe the golden era of, you know, could have how much I could have loved and done then if I were a little older, but um, just got really into it. And one of our counselors used to play, uh, his guitar, you know, at night sometimes, and he'd play, uh, you know, a little Grateful Dead, and he'd play Spirit in the Night, and I didn't realize then that I was already liking Bruce until, you know, maybe a year or two later, and then, um, you know, got into it, because, you know, back then, there was no internet, there were no, it, it wasn't as prevalent now, there was no streaming, you just kind of, you had the radio, you know, so. Yeah. Um, well, that is uh, how I got into it. Yeah. So anyway, I kind of jumped ahead. Um, introduce yourself to the audience. I just was re- remembering, though, that it, yeah. you know, because there's there are patterns I see like um, 
a lot of times siblings, you know, influence people on their music, either to the pro or the sometimes you rebel against your older siblings or. Yes. And then, you know, sometimes um, older siblings feel a re responsibility to kind of train their younger siblings. So I just kind of was interested. I had never seen that pattern after all this years, but um, it, it is a, if you grew up in the East Coast, there is a good chance, you know, during that heyday of that time, you discovered Bruce Springsteen by going to summer camp and either <laughs> a bunkmate or a counselor either played the music, had a stereo, would play the album. So uh, I just, you kind of reminded me like, oh yeah, that's what we did. So anyway, introduce <laughs> yourself, Scott, and tell us a little about yourself. Sure. So I'm um, Scott Katz. I grew up in Newton, Mass. Uh, not sure who knows where that is or what. It's about five or 10 minutes away from Boston College, about 15 minutes from downtown, but everything in Boston is an hour because of traffic. Right. So, um, what do I do? So I, I been in sales most of my adult life, um, had an epiphany, went to law school very late in life and decided after about three weeks that I didn't want to practice, but I went ahead and finished law school, passed the bar, uh, worked in law firms and business development, and then kind of uh, pivoted out into development work for nonprofits um, and stumbled into this career that I'm in now, which is for-profit, but with a very altruistic bent in that I do K through eight fundraising. Our company is nationwide and we eliminate the product sales. So no, you know, all the stuff that you and I probably bought or sold in our lives that we didn't really need girl. Uh, I love girls go cookies, but you know, cookies, yeah. popcorn, um, wrapping paper. Yeah. Exactly. The candles, the, you know, cookie dough. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but you know, these days, most people would just rather give the money to the school. And so we eliminate the products and then we bring in inflatables and we do what we call a day of awesomeness. And mm -hmm. we provide this, this awesome day for the kids to just run around and be kids and have fun. And the whole point that we do is we try and motivate and inspire the kids to, as we say, use their awesomeness together sort of as a team. And I can tie that into my love for Bruce. Um, hopefully you'll get to that. But um, so that's kind of what I do now. It's a lot of fun. I rarely have to, you know, get dressed beyond shorts uh, or, you know, or sweatpants. Um, and, you know, we were able to do it virtually this past year. And it's, uh, you know, we raise a lot of money for schools and uh, which helps them. Uh, we're on our, uh, uh, a really great group of people. Um, and it's just a fun, you know, there's really no downside. It's just always fun. Kids are having fun. The schools are appreciative. They're stressed like any other job, but otherwise it's just, you know, a lot lighter in the mind and a lot deeper meaning, uh, you know, than helping rich people get richer. When, so, so when my son was in Catholic school, uh, first through eighth grade, um, you know, we did all that exactly what you're talking about, right? Like you had magazine subscriptions and you had to sell, uh, you know, like for Boy Scouts, you're selling popcorn and, and, you know, and then, you know, the different candles and wrapping paper and all this stuff. And about his sixth or seventh grade, they, they made the decision that said, um, we're going to give you two choices as a parent. And I don't remember the exact numbers. So I'm just making up numbers. Like you can write us a check for $500, you know, or 
250 or whatever it was, or you can buy gift cards through us and the gift cards, you know, equal to X amount of dollars, which will equate, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, um, and, and I had the best racket because I, I ran a call center at the time. And so we would go in there and buy gift cards that we would give away to our agents, you know, as spiffs, bonuses. Right. Sure. So like we hit my minimum almost immediately. So there were like <laughs> two or three other parents that worked at the same company. So when we went there, we did that. So it's nice. So yeah. I, I think that is rewarding because we all want to support education. We all want mm-hmm. to do things. And, and yeah, and that's why you, you're like, I, I have no interest in this candle, but yeah, like, you know, it's, you know, I want to support your kid. That's fine. And, right. you know, yeah. So I mean, you fine. know, we have my oldest, I have two girls, my older daughter is in college and we have wrapping paper unopened in my kitchen right now from when she was in fifth grade. Oh Yeah. So, yeah. and there, there's, we went in with our eyes open. It's not like we were uh, yeah. or anything, but we just didn't need it. You know? So I, yeah. I just soon say, here's 20 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever it is. Yeah. Enjoy, you know? Yeah. That's great. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, and I love the fact that, you know, cause too many of us end up working in a job that we hate uh, you know, um, yep. you know, fact, I've been thinking of the lyrics of factory, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's nice to see, you know, to hear a story of someone that's ended up finding, you know, they're, um, using their law degree for good. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm probably making half of what I made in firms, but I'm considerably happier. And I liked working in the firms. I wasn't, yeah. but I was helping others sort of develop their practice and it was fun yeah you know shame on me i i mm-hmm. wanted to try and make more and do more and moved around to other firms that i didn't like yeah and, you know you end up bouncing around and and i've you know i wish i had found this you know 20 years ago it didn't exist then but i wish yeah. i had it but it's uh it's a blast it really is a lot of fun it's like being a camp counselor to tie back into that so being a camp counselor all day working with the kids so yeah that's got to be fun and that's yeah. great um, so I always like to go to the beginning and, uh, talk about growing up. Where did you, 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 you said you grew up there in mass, but, uh, you were the youngest, one of the youngest on the block, but talk about your parents. Were they into music? Did there, was there a lot of music in your house? Not really. Um, okay. my dad was very, I don't say old fashioned. He, he liked more of the standards. He liked Sinatra. He liked, uh, I vividly remember before he'd go out, you know, with my parents would go another couple on, you know, Friday, Saturday night, he'd put on, uh, you know, like Jacques Brel is alive and well and living in Paris or something, you know, or Edith Piaf or something like that. Okay. And uh, my mom's dad, my grandfather was a uh, theatrical talent agent, Broadway producer. He managed oh, Rydell at one point. He, he ran Verve Records at one point. It was fun when he would come in because as a little kid, you know, I, for whatever reason, I somehow got into Tom Jones. So okay. uh, he, Tom Jones was playing a nightclub here in the, in, in the area. And my grandfather took us to the show and took me backstage. I think it was 10 and I met Tom Jones. He wasn't much taller than me, frankly, but he was great. It was a great show. Oh, how fun. And, um, you know, lots of different things. When I was single, it was very attractive because I could go to all the different shows and didn't have to pay for them. And um, yeah, so that was a nice thing through college. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, but not a ton. Like I sort of, um, 
sort of buck the trend. And that doesn't mean my parents weren't into music. I, they just never, it, it, I didn't grow up in a musical house, if that makes right. sense. Also, in fairness, you know, it was just records. I mean, you, we predating, I mean, I, the, the first Sony Walkman came out, I think I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. So it wasn't like as a kid, we had a lot of different options other than FM radio or something. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause uh, you know, my parents, um, you know, it was all LPs, you know, yeah. we had the big, um, you know, huge piece of furniture with the TV that, you know, had the two big speakers and you open up and there was the turntable. And then the other one was the radio. Um, did, as you started growing into junior high and high school, what kind of music were you listening to? What, what was the. So I always had, it's funny you mentioned Simon and Garfunkel before. Yeah. So my mom, I was born in New York city, uh, moved. I don't remember it. We moved to Boston back to, or my parents moved back to Boston. When yeah. I was two. But my mom um, worked, my grandfather, her dad got her a job as a administrative assistant in a theatrical, like a Broadway agent's office, who ended up uh, was the manager for Paul Simon. Uh, he, he would never remember, and I certainly don't remember, but he used to play with me in the office while his agent would deal with my mother to get in to see, you know, the lawyer or whatever, yeah. the lawyer and his agent would come in. Yeah. So, sort of listening to different things, I, I found that I started getting into, like, I always liked Simon and Garfunkel because that I did hear, you know, and I thought it was kind of cool that there was some a, family connection. Do you have a picture of young Scott with Paul somewhere? <laughs> no. Dang, that would, that would be great. That yeah. would have been great for the podcast. Yeah. You know, when I published yeah. this, that would have been a great photo. Yeah. My mom said, um, you know, we used to, she used to take me into, so I, we lived across the street from Gracie Mansion. Mm-hmm man, whatever it's called in New York City. And there used to be like a playground and she used to take me over there and go into a little market. And every once in a blue moon, she'd bump into Paul Simon because the, the lawyer's office wasn't too far away or something. And he would like bend down and, you know, I'd be in the stroll or whatever. Yeah. That was as close to, uh, you know, anything. I mean, I'm sure he's kissed a million babies since then. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But um, it, it is kind of, you know, it was kind of cool. So I, I listened to them. Um, that was the first... Um, cassette tape that I remember buying was their greatest hits. And then um, again, my every summer when I would go to camp, I'd get into one new artist or new music because somebody would be playing it. You kind of want to get it for yourself. So I remember, you know, getting into uh, the who got who's next was the second one I bought. Um, And then, you know, Jay Giles was from Boston. So I got into Jay Giles band. They were getting popular as I became freshman in high school. And that's around the time, you know, where, I was already well into Bruce by that point. I was unique in, in my school, at least my, my class. Um, only a couple of people, I mean, people heard of them, but it was, you know, hungry heart. That was all they knew. Yeah. Um, and if they really got deeper, okay, I know born to run. I mean, they only knew a few songs that were played on the radio, but I was into it. And I'm, this is why I never did drugs. Cause I go all in. So, I mean, every, every penny I could earn, I was buying Springsteen, cassettes or re- and records i double up mm-hmm. and um i was working since i was about 16 i used to work for my dad um he had a wholesale textile manufacturer uh you know he he would distribute textiles through the country uh, wholesale and i was in the warehouse so um every friday i'd get my paycheck and there was a store in cambridge that had bootlegs i mean they certainly weren't legal but they had bootlegs and i would run down there and i'd find a bootleg every week I remember blowing like 50 bucks, which was almost my check, you know, at that point. Yeah. In time. And um, it was a nice 
it was a nice gig. You know, I'm like, you know, I don't do drugs. I'm not, you know, getting in trouble. I'm buying Springsteen bootlegs. You know, so it was uh, that that's kind of where it came from from there. And then um, I'm sort of um, I like the concept of Pandora. I don't use it today. I, you know, use other. But I like the concept of sort of, you know, you you find an artist, you find a song and then you spin off of that. So to me, I'm like, you know, I like this type of music. Yeah. Um, so that's how I started listening to Southside Johnny and the Jukes. When Little Steven came out with his first album, I grabbed that. I like John Eddy, you know, kind of like spun off into these sort of New Jersey sound, John Cafferty, like all these different people. Um, and I'm thrilled to have done that. At the same time, I had sort of, you know, like anyone else, I like pop. I like, you know, I'm a fan of low. I like Matt Byron Manilow, you know, I like all yeah. these other different things that have nothing to do with Bruce. But, um, you know, I, I sort of figured at that point in, in, at my early stages of uh, idolization of him that, you know, if it was good enough for him and he liked it, there must be something there. So I liked Elvis before, but I certainly liked him more after I heard Bruce loved him and, yeah. you know, sort of got into Elvis. Uh, Sam Cooke, I was one of my all time favorites. Um, I don't listen to him in the car anymore out of superstition because I had a nasty car accident. Uh, oh, no listening to Sam Cooke at the time. So I only listen at home, but um, you know, I, I have a pretty broad range of music, but Bruce is my go-to. I listen to E street radio pretty much all day with two exceptions. Um, if live cover me comes on, I, I switch because I can't stand that song, the, okay. that, any live version. And um, if the album version of land of hope and dreams comes on and, or the, the version from the Wrecking Ball tour, I switch it. I can't deal with the electronic heartbeat drums, you know, the doop. Okay, yeah. Otherwise, I'm E Street Radio almost all day, every day. That's great. Now, I, I, I'm going back. I went through a phase, you know, this is in 75, 76, when I was in high school, of I bought a ton of Simon and Garfunkel 8-tracks. You know, Cecilia and yep. Uh, yep. Um, Feeling Groovy. I just loved there I can't remember which album they had that live version of Feeling Groovy. And I just loved that song. And um, it, so it, you brought back a lot of memories. I'm now sitting there <laughs> like, maybe I should go to Amazon and pick up some CDs again. Or, you know, just, just uh, and, um, and of course, Barry Manilow was an early, you know, in the seventies, it was just, you know, yeah. um, and, and it was in fact, when, um, I had to do, you know, we had these bunch of bands of your life questions and, you know, your guilty pleasure and my guilty pleasure is always Barry Manilow. I just, yeah. as a high school kid, I loved hearing his music and, you know, weekend in new England, Mandy yep. and, and it just, you know, and, and I've seen him live a couple of times and um, he's fantastic. Yep. Um, it, he is, he has the same problem that most other artists do. They have a set show. And if you see him on Tuesday in Kentucky or Thursday yep. in Ohio, it's exact same show with no difference, the same jokes, right. you know, but <laughs> yeah. it's a damn good show, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm an unabashed fan of I have no problem uh, telling people I enjoy him. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like what I like, you know, I don't, I'm yeah. just, uh, not embarrassed to say that. Um, but I, you know, I love 
seeing the bands I like. I, the one I, the two I wish I had seen, well, three, I guess Elvis would have been one, yeah. but um, Seeger, who I guess is retiring and Tom Petty, who passed away. So yeah. otherwise, you know, I have no, no regrets. Uh, I wouldn't trade, you know, being born earlier to see the doors. I know I have a friend who saw them and loved it, yeah. loved them, but I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I said in t- Twitter that I'm not getting into the sways and waves discussion because yeah. I just candidly, I think it's ridiculous. The amount of <laughs> brouhaha yeah. of the passion of both sides, you know, yeah. hearing, you know, um, but I am going to ask you, uh, how do you feel about um, the no nukes being released officially? Cause I love that. I do too. I'm excited to see the film. Yeah, that was that was the bootleg that I remember getting as a kid. Yeah, loving it. And you know, you listen to the guest DJs on East Street Radio. Rob Lowe stands out as like a real true non-poser, like a real. Yes. Um, uh, Ralph Marchio, same same thing. Those are the yeah. two I remember, you know, vividly. Were doing a really good job with it. And you know, Rob Lowe sort of said, you know, at that point in time, he he wanted to see Jackson Brown, who I, I've seen and is a great show. Yeah. But um, that's when he fell in love with Bruce. He's like, oh, my God, now I get it. And, and I, I almost wish I, I had been able to see that at the time. But it's so cool to just see, you know, a young, carefree, at least on stage. You know, now we find out, you know, all the different stuff that everybody has going on in their lives at that sure. point. Um, just like, uh, you know, the real golden age of, of the E Street Band, you know, like they didn't have to worry about people complaining like friends of mine do that he's playing too many covers. I love when he does that. Yeah, um, they just did their thing and and just went on until they had enough or or the or the audience couldn't take anymore. And so I'm psyched for no news coming out. Yeah, I am too. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, how psyched were you? Um, did, was the young teenage Scott happy when all these historic bootlegs were you know remastered and released? You know um through the archives you know with the good sound i mean did yeah. was a young scott of you happy <laughs> your internal <laughs> my internal young scott because these all yeah. happened recently yeah i mean i it's so it's so funny to you know when you get a bootleg oftentimes they would just give it a name you know and some random thing you know i vividly remember one of my favorites was peace to resistance and okay. you know that was from 78 it was one of those the shows that has been released so i'm like oh my god i had that and you know yeah 30 years ago you know what i mean so it is cool to hear him again and sort of place yourself you know in your own life and time and i think yeah. Bruce talked about that you know when he you know about music and you can sort of place yourself and remember different things or find parts of your life and how you relate to it but um yeah i i definitely can remember who i was listening with when why what we liked what we didn't like i and that's the cool thing with east street radio uh, you know, my kids give me a hard time about it, but I can, I can, by the version of the song, I can almost tell where it was and when it was, you know, it's just. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I may have asked you this, and um, if you guys have not, um, if you're new to the show, um, I had a friendship month earlier in the year, or in, yeah, I guess. Uh, and, and so Scott was on with another friend, Scott, it was the Scott and Scott show. And, uh, so, 
um, please go back and hear that. That was a lot of fun. They met in camp and then later became friends. They rediscovered each other in adults, which I think is just an amazing story. So I may be duplicating a couple of questions, but what about Bruce captivated you? Can you articulate why he became your guy and has remained your guy? I will try and you can tell me if I articulated or okay. not. So I have always loved history and um, I like, um, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, well, I'll try something else because I can't think of it. We're having a senior moment, but that's all I, right. I've always liked sort of team sports. I like the concept of a real band that, that gets along, not the ones that fight and everybody's got, you know, and I'm sure some of that goes on, but you know, for the most part, it's a, co a pretty cohesive unit that he's created here because they all care so much in our past. Yeah. Um, and the whole is greater than the sum of the parts as he, you know, or the one plus one equals three thing that he stated. And yeah. I, I, from the very first time I heard almost every song, it just hit me like, I'm, I'm in, I'm sold. It's, it's, it's like love at first sight. You know, you just, you know it when you see it and you know it when you hear it. But what I always loved was this was a guy that was playing with his friends that grew up essentially with these group of guys, give or take, you know, in and out a few here or there. And they've stayed true to their, their mission statement and, and what they represent. And, um, he, you know, I totally respect the fact he writes his own stuff. That doesn't mean I don't like other people that don't write their own stuff that are just very talented, but to me, it's just to that next level. So to have um, tradition was the word I was trying to think of. Yeah. I'm a traditionalist. So I'm an old school guy, you know, at heart. So for me, this is old school. I, I view it as, I mean, it's the sound in my view, the real East street sound in that in that, you know, in that seventies into even early eighties era is just gold. I mean, I, I, from the very first time, like literally almost every song, there's, there's very few songs that I have grown to love. I either loved them right away or I was, I can only think of two or three that I dislike in his entire catalog that, uh -huh. that literally dislike. Some I can just take or leave here or there, but there's only a, very very few that i dislike okay good um makes sense yes that does makes total sense and mm -hmm. uh living there and are your team sports are they all the new england teams or do you have a wild uh, card in there yeah, i'm pretty you know I, yeah I, i'm a sports fan but i'm much more of a boston fan than a okay. sports fan i'm not you know like looking for the next NHL game or NBA game. I turned on the finals last night because a, a colleague is in Milwaukee and, and was super excited. So I watched the most of the second half, but I pretty much didn't care one way or the other. I've always sort of liked Phoenix because one of my favorite players from the Celtics growing up was Paul Westfall, who unfortunately, after I met him at a function and got an autographed ball, he was traded. And then <laughs> oh, no. Which was great. And he ended up having, you know, a, I, you know, Hall of Fame level career in Phoenix. So I always rooted for Phoenix. And frankly, they never really were a threat after 76. So yeah. us. So um, I'm, I'm more of a Boston fan. I like certain athletes from different teams. Um, you know, I, I hate, hate the New York teams with a passion. Um, 
So it's almost, you know, I root for my teams and anyone playing New York. Yeah. But um, so growing up, you know, I like the Dodgers now, not a fan, but you know, whoever, unlike some people who say, you know, if your team loses and you root for the team that beat you, I don't subscribe to that theory. I root for the, whoever I want to at the end. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I rooted for the Cowboys growing up. I didn't like the Steelers. Yeah. Um, so, but only because, you know, the Patriots were so bad, but my kids have no conception of what, you know, myself and the other Scott and my friends dealt with our whole lives. I mean, it was just heartbreak after heartbreak. I mean, the Celtics won all their, you know, the bulk of their titles in the fifties and sixties. I wasn't around then, you know, I saw two right. until bird, but um, you know, Red Sox never won. You know, I was in college in 86, still recovering from that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it just never, the Bruins didn't win. And uh, you know, I, I was too little and young at that point, really. So we saw nothing. And, you know, one of my daughters is going to be 17 and I think she's seen 12 parades. I mean, it's, it's just not what we grew up with. So, so um, I, a couple things. One, they were, um, I remember the sports station here in Dallas uh, when the Rangers were playing New York and like when uh, a few years ago, when the Rangers had that two year where they went to the world series and um, there was a there was a kid with a New York cap on, you know, on TV, and they said that this this kid has no concept of what he was born into, right? <laughs> uh, and I'm similar to you. I'm a Dallas fan. Like yeah. when uh, when my son is just a sports fanatic, he'll watch anything. Uh, but you know, if you know, like I watched once the Mavericks got out of the playoffs, I didn't care anymore. You know, I I just didn't care. Um, You know, if the Cowboys don't make the playoffs, then I don't care. I will tend to maybe if the saints, because I grew up in Louisiana are doing something or um, a, as you talked about, if a coworker, someone you're friends with gets really passionate about someone, you know, then I'll, being i'll be inclined to kind of root for them because hey you know um and it's 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 always interesting to see and my son is 32 and he talked about that he was born in 89 and in february so technically landry was still the coach like he was like four weeks into his life is when Jerry Jones bought the team. So he always tells people I was a Landry baby. And um, he can vaguely remember, you know, cause it, you know, like two or three, four, maybe, you know, he had no sports consciousness. Right. So for all his life, the Cowboys have just sucked. <laughs> and he's just like, he's bitter. He's like, I, you, you don't expect good things. Right. Just because it's the Cowboys, you know, they're going to screw it up. He says, you know, they're going to draft someone that, well, you know, except for him being under investigation of, you know, killing his mother, he would have been a first round draft pick. But, you know, (laughs) you know, so we're going to get him in the third round and, you know, or, well, he had a devastating injury, but we think he's going to come back. So we're going to try and fly (laughs) on him. And Chris is like, just get a good player, just draft someone good, you know? And, and don't get me wrong. I don't begrudge anybody in New York or the tri-state area, the roots, Yankees or whatever. That's their team. They should be rooting. Exactly. Absolutely. 
I, I object. I have friends that, you know, just cherry pick and, you know, grab whoever's the, the yeah. at the time and root for them. And I, I don't like that. I'd rather, you know, I, I, I have friends that rooted for the pirates, you know, their, their entire yeah. life. And, you know, they had that one, one good year, but it's been so long. And so right. I, I'll root for Pittsburgh. If they're in there, the pirates, I won't root for the Steelers. I just never liked them, but yeah. Um, I, I definitely don't begrudge anybody for rooting for their, yeah. their team. I, I like the passion, you know, and then that that's what yeah. I, I prefer. I'm a, I'm a, you know, my, my, my heart's on my sleeve with everything, you know, again. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm happy. And uh, were you happy for Brady? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was too. Yeah. You know, I find it amusing that, you know, people that were, he's a cheater, he's a cheater, he's a cheater, you know, that, that don't understand him. Anybody who's ever left a basketball or a football in their garage, uh, you know, over the winter and comes back and it's dead will understand, you know, the weather changes things, but um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the animus and I, and I get it because look, I, I like, I love the Cowboys and then they start winning a lot and you know, all right, now I'm ready for somebody else. You know, everybody, yeah, exactly. On the underdog, but I mean, the Patriots were, were, were the laughing stock of the league for almost 40 years. You know I mean? We, we went through a lot of tribulations right. and this is unprecedented and he's, he's an incredible player, but now he goes to Tampa and all of a sudden, you know, the same people that would have been yelling and screaming as a cheater. Oh no, now it doesn't matter. And now they love everything that's happening. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's how sports is. And that's, that's great. But I definitely, you know, was happy for him and I'm happy that he's getting some of the recognition that he frankly should have had all along. So that being said, I think there are times where he can be tough to root for um, because, you know, the whole TB 12 nonsense and, you know, the, the guy he partners with is kind of a snake oil salesman. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, in a lot of ways, I, you know, Boston's more of a meat and potatoes type of town and, you know, I'm not a Peyton Manning fan, but at least, you know, he's, he's appealing to the everyman. Brady's appealing to the 1% and that's fine. Yeah. But it makes it a little bit tougher to, to uh, find common ground. Yeah. I mean, that's like, like Chris talks about, you know, Dirk is his modern day Stahlbeck or yeah. Aikman because, you know, Dirk did get a championship, but was just, uh, seemed to be from all things, just a good guy, yeah. you know, just someone who loved playing the game and, and, you know, loved winning and yeah. was working that. So, um, you know, Chris will often say, yes, I would have Dirk's baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I get that. I mean, Larry bird, when he played for the Celtics lived around the corner, down the street, you know, like yeah. a, not even a five minute bike ride, you know, as a kid, yeah. and I, I I'll admit, I used to drive back and forth, not literally, you know, to the end of the street, I'd, I'd make yeah. sure I drove past his house coming and going any which way I could. And I'd spot him, you know, mowing his lawn, raking his yeah. lead himself. I mean, this was one of the first, you know, millionaire athletes in this area and he's doing his own yard work. I mean, yeah. that's who he was. And when they'd win, there would be like six or seven cars out front. It was the Celtics would go over there and have a party. And um, his, he lived on, on one side of the, the Brookline dump or recycling center, whatever you want to call it. And his agent, Bob Wolf lived on the other side. How cool. That's, you know, um, and when uh, there was a Sports Illustrated when he first joined the Celtics and he was playing sort of one-on-one at a house with a hoop with his agent. And that was my friend's house who lived across the street from the agent. So it was, um, it was just kind of cool that he, you know, he was there. I mean, I can't say he was very friendly. I mean, you you know, we'd honk the horn. You just kind of look at you like, what? Yeah, exactly. It was still cool. You know, it was better than, than not seeing him. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Um, 
so talk to me about live experiences. Um, how many times have you seen Bruce? Though, of course, the amount of times is not a fair parameter. Yeah, no. It, of how it, many times you're a fan? Yeah, it's. I've seen him 57. Um, once on Broadway, 56 others. Um, Are I, you going to try to go this new section? So I was going to try when I was in New York last week. I went Tuesday night overnight into went. You know, I just drove yeah. down and drove back. And I was going to go and try and grab a ticket on Monday. Um, but my wife told me that if I did that, she was going to buy a cat. And I hate cats. Okay. So all right. until I can negotiate a better arrangement on my end, I'm probably okay. trying to resist. That's a bad deal. Yes. Yes. Um, and again, I don't begrudge anyone who likes cats. I just don't. Right. So, um, you know, she's generally a team player, but she's kind of putting her foot down. And, you know, you got to pick your battles. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, so anyway, you said 57 times, including Broadway yep. once, yep. um, including Broadway once I gave up tickets to two other concerts in over the years, um, which I, re I regretted at the time. And looking back, it was the right decision. One was one of my best friends, ironically, another guy named Scott, not the one who was on. Okay. I, you, I think before I tried to have as many friends named Scott as possible. It just makes things easier for me. Yes, it is. Um, but it, it was his parents uh, like 40th wedding anniversary and it was in the in New York city. And this concert was like in Syracuse. It was a real schlep to drive. So I gave up those tickets and, and ended up getting tickets at a, a different show, but I still consider that I gave up the tickets. And then the very first time he was coming to Fenway park, um, I obviously was going to get tickets with the Scott who was on, you know, before last time we yeah. were together as we normally do. And it was my wife's grandmother's 90th birthday and the whole family extended was flying to Florida. And our girls were really little. She wanted to see the, the kids or the babies. And it was just, it was the right decision. It was the mature yeah. decision. Taking a lot of heat from her parents, from her, rightfully so, and my mother. So yeah. uh, it just wasn't worth the heartache. Ironically, you know, my white whale, so to speak, at the time was Frankie. That was the song I wanted to hear like no other. And he played it at Fenway that first time. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know? Yeah. Uh, since then, I've heard it like three times, including the next time he came to Fenway. So uh -huh. sort of have got that. But um, it, it, it could have been closer to 60. As long as it's more shows than my age, I'm content. Well, um, the um, when he he toured for the reunion um there was something family going on that not as important as a birthday like my son had a football game or some kind of dance or something that i just didn't and that i regret that i regret going okay look you know hey um yeah so i didn't see him till the rising tour yeah. and um so I, I have that to put the sports analogy, right? Like when you miss the extra point early in the game, you chase that the rest of the, right. the game. I feel like yeah. starting only in 2002, I, I'm chasing to try to catch as many shows as I can to, yeah. to see. And uh, so. I've, I, I've hit most of my bucket list with that. Um, I wanted to see, you know, show in New York. I've been to a few. I wanted to see New Jersey. I've been to a bunch. Um, I wanted to see him in Philly. I flew down to Philly and went with a buddy who had never seen him. So that was a nice treat. Um, we went to Florida another time. 
to see my wife's grandmother. And I was looking, I'm like, hmm, who's going to be in Fort Lauderdale? Pretty close. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we went to that. But um, I'll toss the scenario. The, the one I'd like to see him in Europe, and I haven't done that, but that would be the one I haven't. I've been to Arizona and saw him out there with a the buddy. Yeah. I've hit all the New England states, Philly, you know, DC would be nice. Yeah. Um, but I agree. Uh, I would love to go to Europe. I would, yeah. um, when, when he was touring Australia during the high hopes era, yeah. um, I was my, the owner of the company I was working for at the time, um, who was like in his middle sixties, maybe late sixties and, you know, was coming to work on Saturday mornings, you know, and of course, you know, that's the reason why he's a millionaire. But, you know, <laughs> I was like, you know, at that age, I had that much money. I would be flying to Australia and just <laughs> doing the whole tour. Like, yep. you know, like, okay, just, you know, getting yep. that and just doing the tour. Because yep. then between shows, you would see this great country and this right. other, you know, beautiful scenery and what yep. a great culture to do. And so um, I really would love to go to Ireland. I just think those are good shows. Yeah. And once again, when you weren't at a show, you'd be in Ireland. So you could see right. and enjoy right. the culture there. Yep. Um, so one thing I would, if, if, if any, if anyone has never seen Bruce in Hartford. Yeah. I would, and you can get there every single time. It's an amazing show. And he pulls some random song out of nowhere. I wonder uh, why. I don't know, but they're always good in Hartford every single time yeah without fail yeah and so let me pose this to you so my wife at one point you know joking with my girls says you know what if i were giving birth what if i was going into labor and you were in new york uh you know seeing a show what would you do and i'm like well you know what am i gonna do deliver the kid like i mean you know i'm gonna i'll come home the next day what am i i'm gonna yeah i'm walking into the show yeah i'm gonna hop by the time i get home you're gonna have the kid anyway like what's you know so they didn't like that answer, but I, you know, I was kind of hyperbole, but yeah, kind of I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to, you know, so. yeah. So, um, we did have the, uh, my wife was doing a half Ironman mm. and, um, and she, it was on a Sunday and she said, I know you're bored going to these events so you don't need to go like okay uh her sister mary and my son went she goes um i said are you sure because i want to be supportive no 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 you don't need to go and later it turned out that um that was the the free ncaa show was (laughs) on that sunday and uh i was like she had already told me I didn't have to go because right. there was, I mean, just between you and me, right. There's no way yeah. I was missing a free show right there in downtown Dallas yeah. to go watch her compete in a race. Uh, so, uh, and in, in, um, so yeah, I, I get that. Um, we, Linda asked about, do you want to go see him again this time? And I said, well, first off, I don't think we can afford it. You know, I just yeah. missed off. I missed a couple of months and, and of work. And, and while people were very generous in the GoFundMe, I said, you know, 
all that money has gone to make sure that, you know, all our bills are paid and everything. Right. I said, so even though if we could find the money, it seems kind of selfish that my first trip after having surgery and you've taken such care of me to tell you, okay, thanks, Linda. I'm going to see Bruce, right? Like right, we, we should right. be doing something together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the same reason why, um, you know, a couple of people reached out and said, well, are you going to go to Dragon Con now that it's coming back? And that's one of my other passions. I love to go. It's down in Labor Day in Atlanta. It's a huge yep. sci-fi pop culture, you know, convention. And I'm like, no, I, I, I can't go somewhere without Linda. She's got to right. do the trip. Now, right. 2022, she is prepared. She's like, I know we may be eating bologna sandwiches for you to get to see as many shows as you can. Yeah. And, and she wants to go to at least one. Um, she, she goes, and I won't try to go to more than that. So you can go to more, but she goes, I want to see at least one. And I go, yeah, right. I, I want you to go at least one. Right. That's kind of how I am with this. You know, like I, it's hard to justify the cost of the ticket, even if you can get it, you know, in the mid range. Yeah. I justified it the first time because it was going to be once who, who knew it was going to happen again, you know? Right. So, yeah. Um, you know, now, I mean, look, I'm fortunate where I live location wise that I can drive, you know, it's a three and a half hour ride. I can crash with a couple of different buddies. Yeah. You know, you get a discount parking app and, you know, parking only, only cost you, you know, $58 instead. Right. And, um, and, you know, I can, pretty much go to the show, wake up and drive home. You know, it's not that big a deal. Um, but it's still, you know, uh, you know, you're looking at somewhere between a, you know, 300 to $500 night, you know, at yeah. least. so I can only imagine what it's like for someone like yourself in Texas, you're in Texas, right? I mean, to, right. I mean, that's, especially now the airfare is so crazy everywhere. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's no picnic. So yeah. When I went the first time, I was able to find on one of the travel sites a round trip on American that was direct. And uh, and then wrapped in there was one of those little, um, I, I can never remember the tame of it, but they were little, it's not a boutique hotel, but it's one of those hotels that are basically the room is the size of a cruise, a, a you know, yeah. cruise ship you right. know i mean and it was you perfect open, for me yeah. Yeah. you open the door you just missed the bed by an inch or something exactly i mean you you walked in and it was like there's the bed there was a um they had a small tv they had a little desk if you needed to that was also your nightstand and you had a shower and a sink and a commode and it yeah. was like i'm i'm not gonna stay here i'm just doing this so i can right. you know i was able to shower before the show go meet bella yeah. for dinner yeah. and then go see the show went back slept and then got up and flew home so it was great but yeah it was easy eight nine hundred dollars all, yeah. all in i mean in in the 80s it was, would have been 85 so that was my yeah. senior year of high school and freshman year of college but um, I went with three friends and we drove to Jersey to the Meadowlands and saw a show outside it at, I guess it was, I don't know if it was called giant stadium then, but yeah. we went there and we kept bickering, you know, we staying in this hotel, we got a hotel, but are we doing it? Are we not doing it? And we're like, yeah, screw it. And we drove home. Yeah. So, you know, like a good four and a half, five hour ride after seeing Bruce, you know, yeah. so, um, 
you know, I got home and I, I slept in the driveway because my parents had already, the chain, they weren't expecting me. The chain was on the door. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm like, what am I going to do? I was, you know, they dropped me off. See you later. And they went home and I'm sleeping under, you know, half under my dad's car, you know, so. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right. So you've gotten Frankie a couple of times. What else are you yep. chasing? What songs have you not heard live that you want to hear? Um, excluding Letter to You and Western Stars, yeah, obviously. So obviously yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I mean, I granted this is the rarest of rare for most anyone, but I'd love to hear the promise. Yeah, that would be good. I think that's I think that's a lot of people on a lot of people's bucket list. But yeah, and you know, the wish would have been on my list too, and because of Broadway, yeah. I got to see that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, again, fortunate to where I live for whatever reason, you know, I have friends that go and see him in Jersey or New York and they'll call at certain songs so we can hear like portions of the song. And for whatever reason, we always hear in Boston, always, you know, three times, two or three times we get thundercrack. So, wow. Yeah. um, I guess because he used to play this little club, Paul's Mall down in, you know, long closed Mm -hmm. Boston area. And um, he played it then. So he would just start smiling and start playing it. And we get, you know, Hartford, he always seems to play loose ends, which is a favorite. Um, so I, I really don't have, there's nothing that I'm like, there's nothing like Frankie was when I was waiting for that. Like that's right. just like, it's never going to happen. And, and it finally did. So I, I'm, I'm a pretty easy customer to please. Like I, I love almost everything cover me being an exception, but I, I sort of, I, I, I deal with that because I know other people like it and he's not there yeah. to play just for me. So usually when he plays cover me, there's something else that he plays. And I'm like, you know what? That's a trade. I'll take that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, of yeah. with the two albums, are there two or three songs you are especially are looking forward to hear? If I, Western priest, Stars? Yeah. if I was the priest, I think is as close to a perfect song as there has ever been made. Um, when I listen to that, I find that I cannot, not listen to it at least three times in a row yeah i I'm just agree. listening I, I it's just it's perfection so i'm dying for that um i tip of the hat to my buddy neil in new york um who right from the get-go loved um uh i'll see you in my dreams to me the three songs he wrote in the 70s uh were the three that i would pick first yeah. but i've come around uh song for orphans would be another one i'd want to hear see you in my dreams i think is is a, a 10 out of 10 um i like burn and train a lot i mean i, I do too there's nothing i'm skipping Even right exactly you know there i don't love house of a thousand guitars i know there are people that love it i i, I it's okay right um rainmaker is okay it seems out of place with the rest of the album but it, it's fine those are the only two that i'm not like dying to hear but i don't skip them so yeah, um i I pictured Burning Train as the opening track. Now, then when you heard Ghost on Saturday Night right. Live, right. like, okay, I could see them starting with that. Um, it is, yeah, I, I think that's very cool. It, it'll be good to see. On my first world worries is that when they tour, they won't do any Western stars because they've got a whole, you know, right. E street band to promote. And, and right. if who knows what else he's going to put out. Yeah. Um, but I would love to get at least a couple from Western stars. Um, yeah. I, I would, you know, little Steven did a, a version of Tucson train 
And so that kind of yep. pictured, I could see the E Street Band doing that well yep. and uh, a couple other things. I was fortunate enough pre-pandemic to see uh, Little Stephen and the Disciples of Soul in yeah. Medford, Mass. Where, uh, for those outside of Mass, that's where Tufts is located, down, close to there. So uh, that, was the, that was the show. This was when Western Stars had just come out. And um, I love Western Stars, but I was, you know, I love the rock more than yeah. the, the lighter sound. So that show with Stevie was the show that I was dying to see. I mean, it was just... yeah. It was unbelievable. I mean, yeah. he's so underappreciated as a as a songwriter, a musician, a band yeah. leader. Just he takes second fiddle, and he and he frankly did it with Southside as well. The Southside and the Jukes, I've seen maybe at least nine times, maybe ten. They're fantastic. It is just so much fun. I took my nephew to a show. It was an under twenty one. I got him in at the time. Somebody gave me tickets, and he was like, "How are these guys not more popular?" Like, I, you know, and He's a modern kid. He's just out of college. And he's like, I, I don't understand. They're unbelievable. And they are. They're fantastic. Yeah. So um, I, I would go, I would run to see Stevie again if I could. And, yeah, you know, I, I saw him the first, the first round. And then I had tickets for the second time. He was supposed to play Fort Worth and he got sick. Hmm. That was at the very end of the second, yeah. you know, when he was doing the tour and he got ill and so the show ended up canceling um do you have any live music coming up scott uh so i have a buddy that um is very into Southside and always gets tickets and i usually get a call um hey man i got four for you know this date i'll see you then all right yeah <laughs> so i know Southside's coming to the area he usually comes in Salisbury, Mass., which is like north near the New Hampshire border on okay. the beach. And I want to say it's usually in August. So I know that there's something coming up. I haven't got the call yet, but I'm hoping and hoping and wishing and praying. So um, I'm looking forward to that. That would be the show I'd be I'd be waiting for, unless I can figure out a way to, to get to New I mean, I can get to New York. It's whether I yeah the bullet. Whether you can put up pray a I don't cat. get a cat. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, so I, um, there we've opened, Texas has opened up a lot. And, um, so Sarah Hickman, who is retired, she does not perform much anymore. She's a singer songwriter that started in Dallas, moved to Austin, um, and has performed a lot. She was a few years ago, the official musician of Texas, uh, we've been friends and fans. Um, her first album in the liner notes is along with a, you know, couple of dozen other likes. It's not just to us, but to Jesse, Linda and baby, because Linda yeah. was pregnant when the first album came out yeah. and uh, she's playing at poor David's pub at the end of the month. And so I'm really excited to go and seeing her Marsha ball from new Orleans is playing in the middle of August here in a little local venue. And then um, in the, I believe it's September, I'd have to look, but um, I, I had went and I had bought tickets before the pandemic to see uh, Michael Nesmith and Mickey Dolan's The Monkees. Yeah, yeah. And they, they've rescheduled that. And I'm excited <laughs> to go see that. I think it's going to be a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just nice to see stuff going on like you know when i was in new york last week i, I told you before we started yeah. i went to a comedy club comedy cellar in, in uh, greenwich village yeah and um al franken was the surprise headliner so that yeah. was funny 
but um, it was just nice to see people out and doing yeah. again and looking forward to live music. And, um, you know, the, I, the last Southside show I saw uh, John Cafferty and Beaver Brown open. So that was like, Oh, fun. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so many more good songs than I remembered they had. Um, but it, it, it's always fun. You know, it's just a good time and mm-hmm. enjoy it while we can. I mean, you know, these guys aren't getting, I'm not getting any younger. They're not getting any younger. So absolutely. So I want to see as many as I can for as long as I can. And, you know, I, for those, I have friends and family that that's still not my wife, she's good, but others that still sort of roll their eyes. Like, what are you doing? You know? And I'm like, look, you know, I, I don't do drugs. You know, I, I've, I'm not a, I'm a social drinker at best these days. Um, you know, I don't beat my wife and kids. I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't steal. I don't, you know, I mean, you know, if my vice is that I like to see Bruce a couple times every tour, so what? You know, yeah. what I mean? so you know that that's and, and say. you know there are people that like you know travel to Europe to to see two or three stages of the Tour de France, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, there are people that travel with, you know, that go to name the pro football team to go to the home games and the away games, you know, so yep. there's different things. And so, um, yeah, it, it's absolutely. And it's been a long time coming. Um, no, no pun, pun intended. intended. <laughs> exactly. That, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see and I'm excited about it yeah. and, and I'm hoping to see as many shows as I can. Yeah. Um, any in, final in, thoughts, guests? Go, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you know, in many ways, other than family, Bruce is my longest relationship. You know? yeah. It's one-sided, of course, but, yeah. but it, um, you know, he's, you know, I, I've never been let down. The only time that I was kind of, you know, wary was when, you know, he, he split with the, with the East Street Band. Um, at the time, you know, you understand somebody wants to try something new. I'm not big on, on change for the sake of change. You know, he had his reasons that we find out later with the book and everything, but um, and those shows were great. Yeah. And he was working harder than maybe he's ever worked to make them great for people. Yeah. I think he knew he realized people were expecting, you know, the same level, but I have to say, you know, listening now, like when I, when I get a concert on, um, especially if I'm driving, like for work, if I have to go to Connecticut or what I, you know, I'm in the car for a while. Um, or when I was driving to New York, you know, in East street radio, they put on, you know, the concert like at noon or whatever, or coming home at night. And I get one of those shows. I, I even if it's in Boston and I went to it, which I like listening to, I'm moving along. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I give them my full attention and my love at the time. I don't need to do it now. I sort of look at it that way. And I, I you know, now as you, you know, you get older, you can sort of play favorites a little bit. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of how I'm, how I do Good. it. Good. So, any final thoughts? I'm just, uh, you know it's very cliched, but you know, of all the times you could, you could live, you know, to live in most of his career, you know, how do you complain? And, you know, you get the best of, of most of it. And now with all these reissues, you, you get a taste of it from back in the day. Um, so like I said before, I'm, I'm content with, you know, what, what I've got as far as being a Bruce fan, I'm grateful as, as anything. And, you know, I, I, I feel, pleased with myself in a way that I unintentionally at the time hitched my wagon to the right horse. Yeah. Uh, I have friends that I vividly remember arguments in high school, you know, George Michael is the best or, you know, this, and I'm like, 
he's not, but it's okay if you think so. But, yeah. uh, but you know, look, and it's not a question of he passed away that people's careers just kind of have faded and Bruce just keeps going and reinventing himself. And even, you know, like I have a friend who loves Eric Clapton Clapton's unbelievable. He's a phenomenal yeah. guitarist. He's great, but you know, where's he been? You know, I mean, and, and it's not a knock. Most people stop, you know, they yeah. retire, you know, well, and, and I've said this multiple times, right. And I, I, I'm going to have to look up at who said that I, I, but you know, I had one of my guests, you know, say he was at a reunion show. He was standing on the pit and he was sitting there and he goes, this is it. This is the height of my <laughs> Springsteen fandom. They had broken up. Yeah. They've come back. We've got to see them in all the full glory. Right. And maybe every few years they'll tour, but this is the peak of E Street. Yeah. And he says, you want to go tell that guy, man, you've got the rising coming. Right. You know, you have Wrecking Ball coming. Yeah. You have Magic coming. You have Letter Broadway. To you. Letter yeah. to you coming. Yeah. You know, a, a whole nother, you know, of just another career. I mean, it's another like career, another, another career. It's it's to to bring it back to when you, you know, mentioned Tom Brady earlier. Yeah. They had that first run, the Patriots with Brady and that uh, you know, dynasty, if you want to use yeah. that word. And then there's a gap and then they did it again. You know, right. that's so unbelievable with the same guy, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. And you, you know, you, we don't get to see that very often. And these days, you know, anybody who does anything good is all of a sudden instantly the best ever. Right. Um, and you know, that's just not the case. And I, that's why I feel like I really, and I, I didn't mean to, I wasn't planning ahead. Lord knows, yeah. but um, you know, like I said, you like what you like. And I knew that this, whether anyone else liked him or not, I didn't care if I was the only one in that audience, that was yeah. fine with me. And I'm just as happy to be one of, you know, 50,000. So. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've got five and a half years of episodes of people who share <laughs> our passion. Um, so I asked you, but I'm going to ask you again, the Mary question. So, um, so officially you guys answered it both last time and it's okay if you change your answer, (laughs) but, um, for those of you who may not have listened to the podcast before, um, the question is at the end of Thunder Road, does Mary get in the car? So Scott, does Mary get in the car? I I am going to, as I am with most things in my life, I'm going to stay consistent with my first answer. Okay. If I had done that on my SATs, I might've done better, but, um, (laughs) I think you have to be a real uh, sour puss to, to think that she doesn't. And um, I think I, I really have thought about it as opposed to last time it was more off, off the cuff, but I understand yeah. and knowing I was going to come back and speak with you again, I've thought about it a lot more and I really can't come up with a scenario that makes any sense to me where she doesn't. Okay. Um, at least from the, from the, the narrator's perspective, I, I think she does. All right. I hope she does. Yeah, absolutely. And in my mind, she does because I'm yes. a, I, I, I love happy endings. Uh, <laughs> all right. If someone wants to reach you, how can they? So um, my, I guess, how can they reach me? So I have a, um, a Facebook page, a LinkedIn page, a Twitter account, Instagram. Uh, my company's called Power of Purpose or POP. Okay. So if it went on Facebook, it would be uh, Power of Purpose, like Metro West Boston, because at the time it was sort of a smaller territory than what it's become. But that's a good way to find out, you know, the company, okay. my contact is there. 
Um, my Twitter handle is Scott F Katz, K-A-T-Z. Okay. And um, yeah, happy to engage with any, any Bruce fans. Um, I did kind of chuckle as well over the sways and waves. And um, I don't know about you. I know you didn't want to talk about it, but I almost feel like you have, we have to say something and that, sure. you know, I'm a, like I said, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist and in the lyrics in the album, it says waves, right? Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, all right, it's waves. I mean, he wrote it, you know? Yeah. But almost every time, if you see him live, he says sways. Yeah. So maybe he had a, a mea culpa or maybe, you know, he's, he's sort of adapted lyrics to certain songs over time. Anyway, I thought it was funny that, that John Landau sort of came out and said, Oh, it's officially a correction. I think that's kind of uh changing the moving the goals after the fact, you know, but yeah, it is kind of, um, a little it, silly. it is just, I think, it, I think the passion of how both camps feel is is what i find like okay just um you know did tony soprano die at the end of the sopranos right like he either did or he didn't right um and you can't convince either you know someone who believes the other than not i don't um we are in the middle of rewatching the sopranos i did that at the beginning of the pandemic it was yeah the second time yeah it was oh it's just a mate you're just yeah. sitting there going we're in the we're in the middle of the second season and we're like this is so freaking good yeah i mean this and also just the sadness of james gandafini not being with yeah. us because he is brilliant in this yep um uh, so yeah and so um and knowing the ending doesn't affect my appearance and like you know i personally because i'm an optimist he didn't die Right. But I certainly understand that someone says, no, every clue points to that he was killed. That's why I went to dark. Right. Okay, that's right. great. I, I'm not, I don't need to argue that thing. It's just, that's what I believe and I'm okay. And same thing right. about ways and sways. I, I just, <laughs> you know, I, it, I don't it, worry as much. It doesn't matter to me. It, it makes it just as much difference as some of the lyrics where you just kind of, when you're singing along, you go, because you don't know the words. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the meaning's still there for me. But one well, funny thing I, yeah, I, guess I did want to mention to you is, is, I don't know if you remember when we spoke last time, is I told you what I think is a pretty funny story of a friend in New York named Scott, who um, I felt screwed me over when Bruce was playing solos at the Beacon Theater and couldn't get me tickets because he didn't want to you remember this story no no please tell it again i so, can, once you tell it i'm gonna remember but yeah. all right so i i my one of my dearest closest friends the guy i stayed with in new york last week um used to live in the apartments above the beacon theater okay and bruce was on going on the solo tour and was gonna play the beacon theater and i my eyes lit up like a christmas tree I'm like oh my god he's right there he can run downstairs and wait a minute, I think he knows the manager of the theater. I'm now remembering the story, yes. All Go ahead. things, this is like the one favor, you know, I mean, this is like my dearest, closest friend. Yeah. Since college. And I call him, I'm like, I need, and he's not a big fan. I've taken him once, he loved it, but, it, you know, he's not a nut right. fan, I'm not so fan. I'm like, you got to do me this favor. You got to get me, a, even if you get me one, but if you can get two tickets, you know, I'll pay, you come or whatever it is. He's like, ah, all right, let me look, all right. And he calls me back like later that day. And he's like, yeah, look, I can't do it. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do it? He's like, I'd have to sleep with her. You know, the manager of the hotel. Now this friend 
to this day, he has a, the guy friends he has. You can count on one hand. I mean, this guy, he's yeah. just interested in anyone but women. He's married now, so it's a little different. But at the time, he was single. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, you used colorful language, but yeah. I mean, kidding me take one for the team dude exactly be a team player like a, the one time i need you to do this you yeah <laughs> and he won't he didn't do it so i didn't go and i stayed with him and just so you know you would ask me last time you know you thought it was funny that there's still this is uh 20 plus years ago um i talked to him frequently sometimes it's yeah you know, every few days and sometimes every few weeks but frequently and every other time I mentioned that, and I did mention it to him this last trip that I'm still pissed. And I'll, I'll hold that grudge till we die. I mean, that, I'm sure that was he's just, sitting there like, let it go. Like, no, never. Oh, he, he thinks it's funny. And I don't think he understands it. I don't. You know? yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's um, yeah. So I, I, I'll mention that, you know, it, God, God forbid he goes before I do. And I give a eulogy. I'll mention it at the eulogy. He screwed me. So, um, I, I, I'll tell you a quick story that's not yep. Bruce related, but um, <laughs> Linda and I started dating uh, way back in like 1980. And uh, we started dating like in February and her parents were incredibly lovely people. I mean, would have us over for barbecues and all these things. And so as we get closer to Christmas, I'm like, oh, so, you know, what's the plan? Oh, you're not invited Christmas Eve. What? We do family only Christmas Eve. What? Yeah. So, I mean, after, like, if uh, I said, well, when are we going to do our Christmas? And she's like, well, you know, if you want to come afterwards, we can go to midnight mass and we can do, but no, we don't. Yeah. You're not invited to our house at Christmas Eve. (laughs) That's okay. So, the second year we were dating, same thing. Like, you know, then the third year we're dating, it's still, no, you're not invited. Right. And then um, the fourth year we were engaged. So Linda pushed to say, okay, he should be invited, you know, officially engaged. And I'm her surprised sister, she had to push. Isn't, isn't that like. Yeah. Nope. And, and so <laughs> her sister, Mary, who was engaged at the same time, um, said, nope, we just want it family one last time. So you can imagine the first Christmas after our marriage, I'm like, F you, I am not going to Christmas Eve. They can right. kiss my ass, you know, right. if I was going to. And so, um, and Linda had to say, look, if you love me, you got to let this go. <laughs> so Clayton is my brother-in-law that ended up marrying uh, Mary. And yeah. so, and every Christmas, this story comes up. I mean, you know, and, and Mary and yeah. Linda are like, oh, let it go. Yeah. And we're like, no, <laughs> no, it's so yeah. look, I, I get it, man. I'm a loyal guy and I hold grudges. That's what they're yeah. there for. You know? <laughs> I, I just, so I appreciate that. So I will, I will have to tell Linda that story. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. He's my best friend, but I mentioned it. Yeah, to him all exactly. The time. Yeah. yeah. All right, Scott. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Good luck Great. to you. And um, you hopefully no cat, you know, I'm, I'm you know, yeah. If, if you end up giving in, I may have to have you come on for a quick, like how you're getting to know the new pet <laughs> in the house. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it's yeah. I, I, 
for a pretty reasonable woman, I think this is an unreasonable request. She would argue that I promised to cat a long time ago. I feign ignorance on that, but yeah, I don't remember. Yes. So, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, so. <laughs> all right. Listeners, you be safe. Go get vaccinated. There is no reason not to. We need to get us back to normal. In the meantime, remember to social distance, wear your mask when you need it, and let's all take care of each other because that's how we're going to get through this. For now, goodbye, and we'll talk to you soon. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store, where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page, where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.